Okay, so would you like me to start? Yeah, if you want to start, I can start. Who started season one? Probably you. Probably you know. me. Okay, you start season two, babe. All right, let's go. I won't, I won't be dyslexic this time. You can be whatever you like, just be you. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to season two of Belgaria and Beyond, the show where we explore magical worlds chapter by chapter, beginning with the Belgaria series of books by David Eddings. And this is season two, which is about book two, Queen of Sorcery. Hey, hi Alicia. Welcome back. Hey, I know, I'm excited to get book two started. I know. And I'm on holidays at the moment, so I totally bloody forgot. I'm so glad that you sent me that message. Shall we recording today? Shit. Yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was just this little inkling in my mind that says, you should probably verify the time with her. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's, I was like, it's a good thing I did. Yes, yes. Very yeah, good. I'm like, where are you, Sandra? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, where am I? I'm eating dinner because I forgot to do that too. I'll be there in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> well, dinner and your belly and we're yes. going to get into the prologue this week. Oh, I know. So last season we um, started with um, the prologue and chapter one for the first episode, but we decided to just do the prologue for a whole episode because there's so much in there. I think it's really worth its own episode. Yeah, it's like 20 pages. For and a it prologue. really, like, I know that, like, we'll, I'll, we'll get into that conversation later on. Let's, for now, go into Polgaris Cup. Yeah. How is your, how's your week been, babe? Um, my cup is a tangy, rich wine, red wine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've actually been able to enjoy some wine a little bit again, which has been nice. So I thought I'd throw that in there. But Great. what I'm doing right now. Is <laughs> what is that look on your face? For everyone who cannot see the video, which is all of you, Alicia has this really, really cute little smile like I've got secrets. What are your secrets? I don't know if it's a secret so much as a, I don't know what it is, but I'm a week away from my kids being home from school for summer break. Oh, so it was kind of a manic little smile then, little, little. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> yeah yeah I think so so I've been like scrambling trying to figure out how I'm going to work I think I brought this up on the live episode yeah. we did yeah but yeah um I figured out I'm going to and I've already kind of mentioned this to them I just need to sit down and I'm going to basically map out the summer <laughs> on a map that we can all see like a chart it's a great and idea yeah, and so they're going to have chores that are now just part of, like, living under this roof. This is how you contribute to this house. It's not just me anymore. You guys are going to start helping. Mm -hmm. And then they're also going to have, like, bonus chores to do to start earning allowance. So I'm hoping I can get them to start listening a little bit better. 
Mm -hmm. by having it all where we can all see it mm -hmm. and they just check off once they're done I don't even have to check in with them I'm going to say it's up to you and if you do it then you will get your allowance if you don't you don't get it mm -hmm. and uh, start teaching them kind of like taking responsibility because I feel like I've and it's my own doing I've kind of like stepped in where I'll just do the work rather than um, well because argument. In the short term, it's easier to just get it done without any of the carry-on. But in the long term, it's a pain in your ass. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I found out over the last know, <laughs> years. Since there's been two of them and I'm picking up after two of them now. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, I'm just trying to organize that and figure, and figure out a way for them to understand. There's two hours a day where you don't interrupt me. Like I'm writing and I don't want to be interrupted. Mm -hmm. And so I'll always give them something productive or entertaining to do for those two hours. Great. They're just right, right in the other room. They're old enough now. Yeah. And look, alone. it's nice, I think. It's, it's very helpful to have it up on the wall because yeah. it almost gamifies the, mm -hmm. the, the house. Like they, they know what they have to do to get the rewards. They can see what's going on. And, you know, I used to really enjoy playing office when I was a kid. Like I'd set out my thing, make things and have pens and pencils and you know, like make lists and pretend I was working or doing whatever it was. You know, if they're anything like that, it could just become part of their game, you know, mm -hmm. where this is yeah. where we have to, you know, we do this thing over here and mum's doing her job and we're doing our job and it could be fun. Yeah, yeah, we got them uh, workbooks to do over the summer for their age level. So mm -hmm. I might say, the thing is, though, they both still kind of need help. So I could just tell them, like, do as much as you can. And then yeah. when I'm done, I'll, I'll help you with what you need, right? Mm -hmm. so it can be that kind of thing. But yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's one of the big things right now. The other thing is uh, I've really been getting brave as an author and like really trying to put myself out there. Um, I reached out to the city library here. Uh, they have a local author program. So I reached out to them. I'm not going to get notified as soon as it's available to register. And if you get picked as one of them, you get like your books displayed and you get to go there for a day to like promote your book. And then for a whole year, your book's up on their website. It's like a highlighted. Alicia, that is so exciting. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> yeah, it's been something I've been terrified to do for years. And I finally am to a place where I feel like it's time and I'm ready. So oh, I can't wait to hear how that goes. Yeah, it's in the fall. Registration is not till the fall okay. for that. Okay. So I'm going to start reaching out to other smaller libraries and just see what opportunities they have for local authors. So great idea. To, trying to like share my work more openly. <laughs> well, see, I am doubly scared to do that here mm -hmm. because I live in the Netherlands. English is not the language of the country, although it could, it's like almost everybody has a smattering of English. Um, most people are quite fluent, much more fluent than I am with my Dutch. But, like, I, I 
I don't know. I'm so hesitant to do something like that, but I would really love to. So maybe you can be my inspiration this coming year. Yeah. Yeah, we should do it together, like be each other's support system. You know, (laughs) I'm scared shitless, but I'm going to do it anyways. Well, I think that Um, it may be, maybe I would have to like travel to the biggest cities. Like if I went up to Amsterdam and Den Haag and, and even Eindhoven, you know, the, the chances that me being an English speaker and an English author might even be attractive rather than detractive, you know? So, yeah. We'll yeah, see. Oh, okay. I'm just going to park that because otherwise I'll get shiny object syndrome and <laughs> not write the freaking books in the first place, which is a problem. Right. <sighs> wow. That's I love your cup, your potion. I'm I'm trying to sip out of your potion cup. <laughs> okay, we can share. We'll share. <laughs> okay. So how about you? How's your week? Well, I, as I said, I'm on holiday. So this week my potion is sweet honey mead. It's golden and just gorgeous. Yesterday, um, my girlfriend and I bottled our, la- our latest batch of mead. We brew mead. And it's been brewing, like it's been laid down, like we put it down a year and a half ago. And um, when we put it into bottles, we found a new um, bottling store, uh, like brewing store for beer and, you know, uh, canning and all that kind of stuff. And bought some lovely clear bottles and corks. And um, we even got some, like, you know, the foil seals that you get on wine bottles that you've got to peel off? Yeah. We got some of those even to put on the bottles. And because, you know, we've got a small batch, it's like this little really fine plastic sleeve and you just run the hairdryer over and it shrinks. It's like a shrink wrap on the top of the bottle. And so it looks really gorgeous. I'll put a photo up in the show notes on the website so everyone can see how gorgeous they look because I'm so happy with the way they turned out. But it's the best batch of mead that we've ever made. It's so sweet and beautiful. And I had a little taste, you know, like just in a little liqueur glass. And I was fine. I didn't get sick. I didn't get weird. My body was like totally fine. And so I was really sad at the thought that I'd never be able to taste my own mead ever again. Right. And so I'm very, very happy that that is not the case. I can have just yeah. a little tiny tipple and it's okay. That's good. Yeah, I saw, I saw your photo that you shared with the, the, the bottles really are pretty. Oh, so pretty. So the, the foil top is purple. The mead is this golden mead in a clear bottle and a, purple top they just look so regal and royal and actually that's so funny because that ties into uh my personal insight for later yeah <laughs> but yeah so i'm just having a lovely relaxed time on holidays we're vacationing at home so i think what they call a staycation or something we're just pottering in the garden and around the house and mm-hmm. um, we decided that we'll take our bikes out, you know, every, every now and then, you know, glide them onto the bike rack and go for a drive somewhere we've never been and ride in some new forest and make some new tree friends. We'll do that. Um, 
a few times and yeah, we're just, you know, doing a lot of relaxing. It's just so nice not to have to be anywhere or do anything or go anywhere if we don't want to. Right. That's awesome. So that's Sounds me. Like good. <laughs> Sounds like a good um, holiday. So nice. So nice. So, oh, hoo, hoo, hoo. chapter summary. We're going to Garion's view now. Okay, so I'm going to ask forgiveness ahead of time because I I don't know what it is with him and his prologues, but I have a really and he even wrote it in like basic English this time, as opposed to the prologue in book one. Yeah. But I still had a really hard time like retaining what I was reading for some reason. Uh-huh. It's just when it when it comes to like the histories, unless uh-huh. I know the world inside and out. I don't retain it very well. So, so, so you my, are totally forgiven and we will get into it in the chapter. Don't even worry. So you just do your, <laughs> do your summary, okay. my darling. So I literally have a one sentence summary that. That's fine. That's fine. This prologue <laughs> is basically, it's like a history. Like we're hearing of a time back in like towards the beginning, right. Of this world. And it seems to be like a, a war that was going on involving Cal Torak, mm-hmm. who we know is like the villain in this, these books. And we also get some more insight from Belgarath and Polgara because they show up. Uh-huh. And we see what kind of how they were involved a little bit during this part mm-hmm. uh, connected to, to Cal Torak and Brand, who is. A Riven King? That's what I was confused. He is. No, that's okay. We'll talk about that. He's the Riven Warder. Warder. Okay. Right. And so he's in this part of the book too. So we got a little bit. I know Brand has been brought up a couple of times. Yep. Yep. In well, book one. Yes. Correct. So yep. that's my summary. Okay. Cool. That's <laughs> totally fine. That's the whole point of having you do the chapter summary because I can tell you all of the story, but then, you know, I might tell you things that don't make sense yet. Yeah. So this, so it's almost like you can read the prologues of each book as a separate narrative of the history of this world. Mm -hmm. So if you were to go back and read the prologue for book one and then come and read this prologue, it kind of follows on. Uh, so at the top, it's sort of, it says, being an account of the battle of the kingdoms of the West against the most heinous invasion and evil of Kaltorak, based upon the battle of Vomimba. So it's, in, it's, it's kind of, it's saying here that this is a summary of a book or a chronicle, a historical tome called the Battle of Vomimba that some scholar somewhere has written in this world and this has been taken from that book. Mm. Okay. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, so, and I'm sure, I think that uh, Lord, of, uh, Lord of the Rings is a lot like yeah. that too. Like if it's got, um, I'm not as much of a, a Lord of the Rings aficionado as some people, but I know that like the Salm, how do you say this? It's the Salmarillion or so, what's this? So, 
Hold on, I have it right here. <laughs> Silmarion and those books they're like the history of the world that lead up to the Lord of the Rings aren't they yeah yeah they are it's basically from the point of creation right like the universe is being created at the beginning of the Silmarion oh how interesting oh yeah we're going to have a very very long show we're going to be doing this show till we die you know that don't we (laughs) really yeah Okay. I think we should have some little uh, Lord of the Rings segments in the future. <laughs> we could have bonus, we could have bonus. Well, no, because I would love to like do a show. A show with Lord I of the Rings. I would love that. Yeah, it would be awesome because then I would almost be. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know how many. Well, no, you would totally. You would be. So I would be. I would be the one that like, hey, this is how it goes. Okay. Yeah, our positions would switch because I have not read any of those earlier books, mm-hmm. and I've only read the Lord of the Rings series once, and The Hobbit once. Oh yeah, I love The Hobbit. Successfully, like um, I've only read it once. So you would totally be the, you know, the one who knows the theme. Right. That would be cool. That would be a switch up. Yeah, it would be. I would want to do a little bit more studying before we uh, started yeah. it, for sure. But, like, so we, don't have have to be, have, we don't have to be a master. We just have to, you know, do our thing. That would be a know, cool show. Know. But I would need a refresh for sure before starting a recording. <laughs> well, yeah. We're reading it fun. the same way that we're reading this. Right. Right. But anyway, that is many, many, many books in the future because we have... This would right at the start of our second season, our our second book. Now, this series of books has five books inside it, and then there's another five books in the next series of these characters. So that's like ten books, ten seasons we've got to get through before we even think about the next thing that we do, unless we start a second podcast. And I just don't think that I have the time for that. (laughs) Yeah, because then I'd be doing three podcasts, and I don't know if I could do that. But you figure we're going to probably average two seasons a year. So yeah. that's about five years. We could be total. I mean, this is like. I mean, you got to look at like Muggle, Muggle cast. They've been going for over a decade and yeah. they have like almost 500 episodes. So. I can totally you know? see this just being something that we do like and becomes just part of our lives and the way that we work. Yeah. I agree. I think well, so. it already is that. Yeah, totally. I mean, this is going to be the highlight of my summer because it's going to be the day I know my kids are going to be gone. <laughs> <laughs> and not only will I have focused writing without them here, but then I know we'll record and yeah. it's going to be a good a, a highlight every week. Like, oh, yes, Wednesday's coming. Oh, yes. All right. So. Okay. Back, back to the show. Back talking about the show that we do this show. Um, We're going into Wolf's Wisdom now. This is a section of the show where we get into the meat of the chapter and really pull it all apart and talk about stuff and ask questions and get curious. All right. I'm going to let you lead. (laughs) I don't know where to start with this one. The the way that the the prologue is written is in a more sort of... it, It feels... Uh, more formal, 
that's probably the best way to describe it. It feels like a much more formal scholarly writing. Yeah. And when the first chapter starts, we go into just the normal story and it, the whole tone changes. And so I really like that about it. And the other thing I really like about the prologues is we get lots of little Easter eggs that if you're paying attention and really actually reading the prologue, you basically get uh, an, the overarching storyline for the book. Mm-hmm. And so, so, and I think that, like, when I read the books now, I skip the prologues and just read the story because I know what the history is and I don't need to read it again. Uh-huh. But, I think people who commonly skip prologues and just get into the story are really missing out because it's worth taking the time to just slow down and slog through the hard bits and the stuff that, like, I don't understand that yet because as you then read the book, you know, you'll go, oh, hang on, that was, there's something in the pro-. and you can, and then I used to skip back to the prologue and go, oh, 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 okay, and then kind of get a little insight into what might be coming up. And right. uh, that, that felt like secrets. I think it's well done because it feels like you're getting a little inside picture of secrets. Uh-huh. You know. So, so then in this prologue, there are like little hints you're saying about what's coming in the book. Yes. Okay. So that being uh, said, that being said... So the, the, the prologue starts, and this one is different. It's not the start of the universe. It is, it's sort of the story of the last one started with, you know, the gods making the world, I think. Although, just give me a second. I'll, I'm just going to skip back and have a look. Okay, so the first one, actually, this is interesting. So the first prologue. I'm going to read the top section of that. Being a history of the war of the gods and the acts of Belgaratha Sorcerer, adapted from the Book of Elorn. So the first prologue for book one uh, supposedly came from the Book of Elorn. And it talks about when the world was new and the seven gods dwelt in harmony. So that is right back at the beginning of when the world was new, that kind of stuff. And now this book... The prologue is coming from uh, the Battle of Vomimba, which is a different uh, historical book in the world of the Belgarian. And it talks about in the youth of the world. So the world's come along a little way from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so the peoples are there and the gods have their peoples. and, And this is after the god Torak stole the orb and ran away and then the orb fought back remember the last time we were reading it you were like you know that's really powerful magic the orb fought back and burned his face yeah so this 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 excerpt from the war that we're or the battle that we're reading about is a result of him stealing the orb so this goes into what happens after that so belgareth led the king of the Alorns and his three sons to get the orb back from Torak. So they stole, they got the orb back from Torak and then um, Belgarath 
gave the orb to Riva so that the king was Cherik. So you'll recognize these names. The king's name was Cherik. His sons were Riva and uh, there were others. So you can sort of, they're familiar names because we spent a lot of the last book in Cherik. So it was named after the first king of you know, the Alorns. Okay. So anyway, Belgareth took them, they went and they got the orb back. And then basically Belgareth said, you guys look after the orb, all is good as long as the orb is safe with you and held by Reva and Reva's descendants. The West will be safe as long as that is so. And then everything's cool, everything's good. Centuries and centuries and centuries, no bothers from Torak, everything's cool. And then in 4865... Drasnia was invaded by Nadrax, Thuls, and Murgos, who are people of Torak. Right. So there's a war. So, so yeah, we already know about Thuls and Murgos, but I don't think we heard about Nadrax yet. No. So Nadrax are new. Okay. We might have to do some mind maps or some... Venn diagrams so that we've got all of the tribes sorted out, which I might actually do because it just helps to have it all sorted out. So I'll do the Alorns and I'll do the um, Angorax so that everyone, so that you can see. And I'll put that in the show notes, uh, a link to it, to wherever that is. I'll probably put it on, I don't know. I'll, there'll be a link somewhere. Because then it will be easier to see. I always want it easier if I can sort of see it, like, in a picture. Yeah, right. There's a lot of names going around here. So yeah. so it's these guys, then the Nadrex, Thuls, and Murgos that go and begin battle with yes. Yes. The, good, so, the good guys, basically. Yes. So the whole point of this is Karl Torek has stirred up his people because he wants the orb back. Right. Like, he's just mad for this thing. And I've got to wonder why he's so mad after it, because he's already a god. So he's already pretty powerful. So I'm like, he's pretty twisted. Um, he's got the greed. Yeah. And so the, this is the whole reason for this, this war, because Torek wants the orb. So they go and they uh, do unspeakable things. And they talk about the unspeakable rights of the Angorax. Steel-masked grolems, priests, sacrifice humans to Torak, and that is the unspeakable right. Mm -hmm. So nobody survived uh, except those who fled to Algaria. And so they kept, the horde kept going, the Angorak horde kept going into Algaria, uh, but there are no cities there because they're horse people, they're nomadic except there's one stronghold and they they hit this stronghold as like a man-made mountain it's described as with the you know walls that are 30 feet thick and so the sea of Angorax you know besieged this stronghold for eight years and in that time it gave the west the other western kingdoms time to mobilize and prepare and to begin to you know, strike back against the Angorax. And everybody put their differences aside 
the whole of the West came together. So it wasn't just the Angrat kingdoms. It was the other kingdoms, which you will start to get to know in this book, like the Tolnedrans are touched on here. And the Uls, the Ulgos, Tolnedrans, the Ulgos, they are of the West. And the Naesans are of the West too, but they are not mentioned here. And I doubt whether they were involved in the battle because they are the ones who... Um, Oh, this is so confusing. You ask me questions and I'll answer them. Okay. So they're basically what I got out of this is that I was super confused at first, but now that you've explained a little bit, it's piecing together in my head that so the Murgos and Thuls and the other bad guys went in, started battle to get the orb back. Mm-hmm. And then the West came together to uh, fight these guys for when they came to them. Mm-hmm. And so all this is happening. And how is, uh, who is the warder of Riva, who's Brand? Like, yes. okay, exactly. So, I'm assuming he's tied or related to. Garadon. So the Riven warder named Brand is like a, um, a commander, like a second in charge below the king of Riva. Okay. And in in the first book of Belgaria, don't they refer to Rivens? Is that yes. right? Yes. So that's what I was so, saying. The kingdoms were, were the Belgareth gave the orb to Cherik and his sons. Reva was one of his sons, and so the Reavens became that kingdom. The Cheriks became this other kingdom. Dras was one of his sons. That's in Drasnia. That's another kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah? Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then there's a point where Kaltorak is basically overpowered by all of these armies okay so the 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 angerx are overpowered by the armies and it's at that point that someone goes into to kaltorik and says hey dude we're fucking losing this thing you better come out and do something is there something that you might want to come out and help us with so he comes out and brand confronts him like challenges him personally to a duel and with brand is a wolf and an owl. Right, right. That's what I remember making the connection. I'm like, okay, so they actually transform into animals, do they? So or is it meant to be talk, symbolic? No, no, talk about talk about what you think. So Mr. Wolf, Belgrath, uh, is the wolf and Polgara is the owl. So my interpretation was that they're actually physically animals at this point when he sees them although the last paragraph in this excerpt is his companions of his companions are many tales told speaking of brand and of that telling what may be true and what false few men may know Mm -hmm. okay so but continue. I, I would, I would, I would love to think they're like, um, oh, what are they called? 
like shape changes. Yeah, but I was thinking of the, what they're called in Harry Potter, but I can't remember. Animagus? Um, oh, yeah, it is. Animagus. How does she should transform into a... Animals. Yeah, wasn't it? Uh, I can't remember her name. But anyways. Magi. Yeah, so that, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's Professor Lupin, the Tonks. Yeah. She was an Animagus. Yeah, she she was a, oh no, not an animagus, she was a, oh, I can't remember the word. Yeah. Animorph, she was an animorph magus. Oh, okay. Which meant she could change her facial features into human, like she changed to other humans, not an animal. Right. Okay, I need to reread those. But that's what it reminded me. It reminded okay. me of that. That because I thought I was interpreting it as they can change into these animals. Okay. Okay. And so, but Tora comes out and basically says, "Piss off, Belgareth, or I'm going to kill you." And then turns to the owl and says, "Polgara, just forget about your dad. Worship me. I'll marry you. You can be queen of the world." Mm-hmm. And so. Both the wolf and the owl. So the wolf howled defiance, the owl screeched her scorn. And then Torak just starts throwing a tantrum. He raises his sword and he and Bran start battling. Like they start their fight. They start their duel. And the fury is fierce and the, the blows are great. And the people who stood near him are amazed and everything is just furious and wild and everyone falls back because the battle between these two is so powerful mm-hmm. the, um, the the water like it says brand is sort of falling back like becoming weaker and then the wolf and the owl put their voices together and howl and shriek as one and the strength of brand is renewed so there's a little suggestion of magical recharge there mm-hmm <laughs> that reminds me of those uh, MMORPG games. Mm-hmm. You're battling. I've never, I've never played them, but uh, I used to be addicted to the Lord of the Rings Online. Mm-hmm. You see your little green bar going down, 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 and you're battling. You're like, crap, I'm about to. And then <laughs> they have different. Like I always played the Lore Master, which was you always had an animal companion, and you could like send them out ahead of you to start attacking first to mm-hmm. save your energy type thing. So. You yeah, are a total back. geek. Oh, I love you. <laughs> it's all Lord of the Rings, man. It's, it's... <laughs> so anyway, so they keep fighting. And then all of a sudden in the middle, Brand takes the cover of his shield and the orb is set in the middle of his shield. And Torax mm-hmm. just kind of like, what the fuck? And he's terrified of this, of the orb. And so there's this real kind of, dichotomy dichotomy is that the word or this real kind of uh, tension because he 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 must have this thing he started a war to get this thing back and yet he's terrified of it and he can't touch it it, it burned half of his face away it burned his hand off so he's like got only got one hand now and half a face and his eye is continually like boiling in its socket so you know, he's been so damaged by this thing, this, 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 this powerful orb, this powerful magic. 
has so repelled him and yet he cannot stay away. He will break, he will just, he will smash the world apart to get it back, even though he's terrified of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I completely missed that the, the orb was in the shield. Yep. That he was hitting him with. So then is it the, it says, no, it's his sword. So, so, when it, so the way it's described is with a single motion, the Riven Water unveiled his shield in the centre of which stood a round jewel in size like the heart of a child. Right. And then as yeah, to... I, I, yeah. I missed that. Well, that's okay. I think that it is subtle because it's referred to here as a round jewel and then it's called um, by the name that Torak gave it, Kthragyaska which is what he calls the orb. And that is mentioned later in the, uh, let me see. Torak cried out again as he beheld the jewel, which he had named Kthragyaska and for which he had brought his war into the West. Because yeah, it's the, it's though he, the sword that he actually like impales uh, Torak with, right? Yeah, so he literally sticks his sword through his head. Like, Bran sticks his sword through Torek's head and Torek falls, falls before. And, I, and I'd have to assume that had something to do with how he was kind of recharged by Polgara and Belgarath, because otherwise how would a, a human do that, right? That's a very good question. How would a human fight a god and defeat him? That's right. a question. So I'm just going to assume that he had, for now, that it was uh, Belgarath and Polgara's magic that were boosting him. <laughs> I will not fight you on that. We will so, yeah, so th- find out more as we read the book. So after all of that, like he falls, it says he falls and the earth resounds with his fall. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a god that's just gotten you know, defeated, I guess. guess. And there is that kind of resonance, you know, they are the gods and they are of this world or the world is of them. And so there's some kind of connection. So you can imagine the like a a ringing through creation that a god has fallen. Right. Like the energy. Yeah. That's that's how I kind of imagine it. So Torek's down and then Brand wants to, this is interesting, Brand wants to see the body, mm-hmm. um, but the, he, the body can't be found. What did you, did you think anything about this um, Zeta the Sorcerer? I have no idea who that is. Okay, so uh, at some point in here, he's referred to as Zeta the Apostate. Okay. Just, so he's probably that one they were looking for in the first book, or I don't even remember at this point. I remember an apostate being brought up, but yep. I don't remember in the context what context. Well, the context was yes. So you you trust your instincts, what you said. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's the little that's they're the kind of little Easter eggs that are scattered through the prologue. So words right. that are used in the main text of the first book and the text of here that give you the clues. It's like clues. I love it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so, it's probably one of those for me where I'd have to read the books again to pick yes. up on those. Yes, yeah. and then after that, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. I get it now. Yeah. Um, and so, so it's Zeta the Apostate uh, took the body away in the night, cast an enchantment and carried it away through the, through the armies unseen. So they're gone. And then... Um, yeah, this is where I started to kind of wake up and, like, started actually absorbing what I was reading. Okay, well, then because, you take over. Because, well, mainly because Belgrath and Pol- Polgaris just start having dialogue with, with each other and with Bran, so it yep. made more sense to me in dialogue rather than kind of being told what's happening. Huh? So you... But, um, so Belgrath basically tells Bran that he's, Torak's not actually dead, he's only sleeping, and he's going to awaken again so that Bran wants to prepare everybody for when that happens. So he wants mm-hmm. to know when, and Polgara tells him that when again a king of Riva's line sits on the northern throne, then he's going to awaken again to do war. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, Brand is saying, but that's never going to happen. So, so here again, I can, I can, I can say for certain, Brand the, the Riven Warder stands in place of the Riven King, who was slain by the Neasons centuries ago. So for centuries, there has been a warder on the throne of Riva holding that place. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so uh, Polgara knows that a Riven King will rise again. Um, but she can't tell him more other than prophecy foretells this. Mm-hmm. So we love a good um, prophecy, this, don't we? Oh yeah, this is um, seems obviously not obviously, but Brand accepts this from her. Mm-hmm. I'm lost again after that. Okay, so and the other thing, the other people that were introduced here to here mm-hmm. are the Mimbrates, the Mimbrates and the Asturians are the other two peoples that were introduced to here. The Mimbrates are the knights. So they're the ones on the horses, in the armour, with the lances and all the shining silver stuff and they thee and thou in their language and they're very formal and like to, you know, issue challenges a lot. And the Asturians you can think of as archers. So... Like, yeah, so they, they are bowmen. They work with, with bow and arrow and are very skilled in that area. And there's been a civil war between the Mimbrates and the Asturians for as long as anybody can remember. Right. And that's how it ends with that whole discussion about that. Yeah. Um, so that's how important all of this was, that the whole of the West came together, they forgot all of their civil wars and all their little strifes between them to come together to fight Torak. Right. Um, because it's brought up at the end how uh, Belgarath and Polgara have to, they each pull aside the man and the woman from each of those who are... Yes, so the them. heirs of those um, kingdoms. So there's uh, Korodulin, is the crown prince of the Mimbrates. And Mayasarana is the daughter of the Asturian line. And Belgareth and Pogar basically say, okay, well, you're getting married. That's that. 
Right. Whatever they say to them in the private, that yeah. they come out and all of a sudden they're, they're like, oh, cool, we're getting married. We're well, good with at least they're not um, kicking and screaming anymore. <laughs> right. They're basically accepting it and they're yeah. good. Yeah. So, so, and the reason that's important is because when the book starts, we are in Asturia. So we okay. will meet more of them. So the, char- the, char- the, the characteristics of the country, the people of those countries of that land will become much more apparent very quickly in the book. Cool. Was there anything else that was really confusing that you'd like to? Um, no, I don't think so. It's really just the when there's a bunches of different names being thrown around. Yeah. I get really lost if I don't know the ins and outs of them. So that was really the main thing. So basically, uh, Torek wanted the orb back. He came and fought the West. The West fought back. Brand struck him down. Belgarath gave Brand the orb and said, this is safe as long as it's with you and your descendants. Everyone went home and they you know, brought Asturia and Mimbra together by forcing these two people to marry so that that country could be unified and they could, the bloodshed could stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes more sense now than when I read it. <laughs> okay, cool. Are we ready to move into the magic? Yes, I think so. You go. Mine was the, as they said it in this part, they said the accursed one, or Torak's body, basically vanishes in the night, but due to this sorcerer who was able to move him through without mm-hmm. being seen. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool, and I could yeah. visualize that. Yeah, that is pretty, pretty cool. cool way. Yeah, that was mine. Okay, and mine is... Kaltorak surviving a sword through the head because Belgareth and Pogara are very clear about the fact that he's not dead, he's just sleeping. So to take a sword through the eye and just be sleeping, that's I think that's pretty cool. But yeah, like I mean, seriously, that the whole um concept of God magic right. so deep. It sort of surpasses yeah. any little petty, like as if any magic can be called petty, but there's this enduring, infinite quality mm-hmm. that kind of transcends everything else that can happen and they exist regardless of everything. And I I can't quite get my head around that. Like, because there must be consequences because... Otherwise, why do we bother to tell the stories? But the consequences are so vast that I can't see the edges of them. And I love that. I can't, I, I love that I don't understand completely how that all works. Yeah, it's almost like it's, it's supposed to be beyond our grasping. Just not oh, being God so right. <gasps> You're so right. That's exactly what it's. And if that's been done on purpose, it's masterful. So well done, the Mm eddings. 
Yeah, I would think that it has to be a little bit on purpose because even writing, if you're trying to write and create a character that's a god, even you would kind of be like, how, what are the limits of them? Like you wouldn't really know yourself because you're not well, a god either. That's a very interesting um, pondering because that's exactly what I, I'm in the process of working out for my series, Call of the Tribe. Uh, there's goddess mythology that underpins the whole series. So I am the, the, the mythology is still kind of coalescing in my awareness so that I've got this really strong place to write the story from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to do the research, I guess, for stuff like that, you know? And the research for stuff like that, though, is so often daydreaming, like staring at the window and just letting it bubble up, like mm-hmm. getting still enough or quiet enough or, you know, just losing the busy sense of life so that that can come forward. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Love my work. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so where are we up to? Real life relating, my darling. So, <laughs> so remember earlier in the chapter, I was talking about our mead bottles and how we had the last purple foil on the top when they were quite regal. Well, my real life relating this week is that Brand's behaviour, like he, Brand's behaviour is very regal. When he's sort of ordering people about, he's saying, I want to see this body of Torak, this person who would have, you know, ruined the world to get the orb. And he's sort of ordering people about him. And, well, Pogara always strikes me as like that, you know, aloof kind of, uh, how do they refer to her in the, um, let me find it, because I love the word and I can't remember it. Oh, I can't remember. I can't find it. Anyway, um, and so I can get quite like that. I'm very, I, I queen it up a lot like that. I, I kind of fall into that. And, and, you know, it's helpful. It supports me when I am, um, it supports my ability to manage and direct projects well and confidently. It's really kind of, um, it's that, uh, powerful sort of way of being where I have the confidence to, to, to direct things as I want them, as I know they need to be so that everything works smoothly. And, you know, and the other side of that is that sometimes I really queen it up and it gets a bit shadowy and I can be, become a bit of the evil queen wanting things the way that I want them because that's the way I want them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, there's a nice little balance there <laughs> yeah yeah I I have a little bit of that my mine comes from like OCD though because I literally have reactions if things aren't how I expect them so I get that yep yep <laughs> so that's my little thing that's <laughs> good yeah so now it's time for Prophecy Speaks well Oh, well, let me share mine really quick. Oh, shit. I'm see there. I am. <laughs> Hello, okay. everybody. I'm just doing my queenie wave. If you ever get to the video, it's really not very proficient or very elegant, but sorry. It's okay. Um, <laughs> you're forgiven because you forgave me. It's because I love um, you. 
Yeah, I love you. So forgiveness goes all around. All right, so my real life relating is the way that Polgara and Belgrass seem to like mitigate the king and queen to be of well, how the, the member, oh wait, is it membrane? No, I wrote that wrong. No, I did. Membrane and Asturia, how they have to unite together, right? Uh, mitigate, mitigate. I don't think that's the right word. Um, well, like mediate, like. Mediate, like, that's the word. That's the word. Okay. So the way that they soften these two people to enough to be like, all right, we'll get married and be good with it. Yeah. Um, I often find myself being that person for like two different people in my life. If they're at odds or if they're. You get to be the bridge. Yeah. Or even if it's like, like I have a friend who's going through a breakup and she's still living with the guy and I, I completely get her reasons for leaving. They're legitimate. And I tell her, I told her for a long time she needed to get out of there, but now like I don't talk to him anymore but she'll come to me just like oh like going off on him you know and I get it for sure I get it but I'll even find myself kind of being like okay like but it's not worth it you know and even like in those situations I'm often just trying to put fires out you know yep yep so that that's how I was reminded in this well, in actual fact, you are mitigating, as a mediator, you are mitigating the, the you know, the intensity you know, of yeah. the emotion and, and stuff that's, that's in the situation. So, yeah, I don't and know I if think it says both of those things, but I understand the confusion. <laughs> yeah. That's, I think, what I was thinking of when I used the word mitigating. Yeah, yeah. It's like putting fires out between people. Mm, mm. And a lot of people come to me to, like, vent about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they almost know that I'm going to be able to put it out for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or offer, offer yeah. like, just a bit of a perspective. You and I, we are perspective reflectors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I like the little dance you did with that. <laughs> Only everyone could see you. So. Only. Well, you know, there are plans. There are plans. One day, one day, all of these videos, <laughs> they're in the bank, people. They're in the bank. Oh, yeah. <sighs> okay. For right. so now, now it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I did that. I'm so sorry. That's <laughs> okay. okay. No worries. This week I'm using, I haven't used this book for ages. Journey to the Dark Goddess, How to Return to Your Soul by Jane Meredith. And I haven't thought about the question I want to ask, but I think I I know what it is now. The goddess mythology that I am creating for this series, I would like the central 
tenant for the power structure so that I can grow the whole mythology from that point. I would like something that is pointing me in that, in that direction. I can't bear it that I keep reacting. I overreact. I can't hear anything I'm saying. I don't know who I am. I don't like my answers, my truth. I want too much from myself. Once you have these statements of deep truth, you can begin to address them. In the example above, I firstly have to learn not to react so much. I think of myself as a person who doesn't react. So obviously I am covering it up really well. That doesn't mean I'm not reacting. When I read that sentence in the first person, it's, it's shot home with a dreadful, sad ring of truth. I don't want to be reactive. That's why I cover it up so fiercely. But truly, inside myself, I, I do react again and again. I would like for the cover story that I'm not a very reactive person to be real, so I will probably do the work that's been pointed to by this truth-telling and start unpicking my reactiveness. I need to talk to you about this. <sighs> I'm here. Okay. I can't bear it that I keep reacting. I overreact. I can't hear anything I'm saying. I don't know who I am. I don't like my answers, my truth. I want too much from myself. Oh, that's actually really helpful. That's actually really helpful because the goddess has, in my story, has gone away. She, she, she receded took herself away and hibernated because the balance of energies between the masculine and feminine squashed her basically. And so this is where she's coming from. I can't bear it that I keep reacting. I keep, I overreact. I can't hear anything I'm saying. I don't know who I am. It's like, when I, when I visualise where she is, she's in the dark, like a little seed that's just waiting to kind of sprout back up again. So there's, that's actually a nice confirmation that where I am and the vision that I have is right and I need to just trust myself and get on with it. Yeah. Did you get anything? The, the word that kept coming up for me was the reactive about being reactive or yeah. not being reactive so i think that ties into just what you observed is that not being reactive because you know the foundation you're looking for to grow like the the support of the story is already set in place <laughs> it is You've just gone yeah. into the um, the personal. Like I was looking at it as a like a story, and you went straight into the personal um, aspect of it, and that's beautiful. Oh, thanks, sweetie. That's that's so <laughs> perfect. I want too much from myself. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's the same. It's it, it applies to both the story and to you as the writer of the story. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Okay, that's me done. Cool. Um, well, I'm using this book called The Archived by Victoria Schwab. And I read this book several years ago. It's like a fantasy suspense with a touch of horror to it. Um, I really enjoyed it, so I'm going to use it. I haven't read it in quite a long time, but I also didn't really have anything coming into this. I was trying to think beforehand if there's anything specific, but I may just use this for my own insight for my writing as well, because there's an aspect of, as I'm working on the second book of my series, that I really want to emphasize this one specific thing and I don't want to like talk about it too much because I'm not in a place to share it yet but how to make this aspect of the story I really want it to be prominent like I want it to be powerful and right now it's kind of just a passing thought in, in like a chapter mm -hmm. and I need to, a way to intertwine it I don't know what's going to come for that but we'll try it see what we get um, here. Everything about Wesley Ayers is messy. My three worlds are kept apart by walls and doors and locks. And yet here he is tracking the archive into my life like mud. Uh, I know what Da would say. I think that's like her dad or something. I know, I know, I know. But the strange new overlap is scary and messy and welcome. I can be careful. What Wesley fiddles the book, doesn't go back to reading. Maybe he can feel it too, this place where lines smudge. Quiet settles over us like dust. Is there a way to do this? Last night in the dark of the garden, it was thrilling and terrifying and wonderful to tell the truth, but here in the daylight, it feels dangerous, exposed. Oh my God, that's too perfect for words. <laughs> uh, I need a minute. Yep. And I might have to ask your take on it. Um, yeah, I, I need some help here. <laughs> You're worrying about how to flush it out, how to make it fit, but all the lines are blurred. There are no, you don't need to keep everything separate. You don't need to make it a special thing. You just need to tell the truth. <laughs> okay. Even though it's scary and even though it might be really messy at the start, just tell the truth and get it on the page. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Um, because this is going to be like the core what I'm introducing in this book is going to be the core of the third book. Mm -hmm. And it's a magical thing. It's like a, it's a thing, but it's like the all powerful magic of this world. Mm -hmm. So don't about saying too much, just say it all and you can decide what goes in and what doesn't later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back in to some of a lot more of the chapters and have it be there. The trick at this point is not to hide it from yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I can go back in. Just sit with that. Yeah. Yeah. 
because this is go. a lot of the times prophecy you'll you'll do a reading like so many times i've done a reading for myself with my tarot or with some kind of divinatory tool and it makes no sense i have no idea this is just stupid it must be for someone else it's not for me and then the next week i'm like oh oh yeah that totally <laughs> makes sense now right yeah and I think uh, it'll come as I get back into my, uh, that aspect of the book. Yeah. So. It'll be amazing, actually. I would be really interested to um, know how that goes. I would actually really like to follow that up. Like, how does that go for you when you present yourself to the page and you're in the situation where, you know, you're telling the truth? How does that go? Do you mm-hmm. even remember? I don't know if I'll remember to ask you. Yeah, we probably could put a note for next week at the beginning or something. Let me just we can ask each other. Ask each oh. other. That'd be something that would probably be good practice for each episode to just follow up on our prophecy. So let's like do something professional and follow each other up. So I'm going to put next to your um in the spreadsheet follow up next week telling truth and i mean this is on video so we can listen back mm-hmm. well it's a podcast we can listen back <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah i'll have to like re-listen to myself read it and see what comes from that too yeah i think that's a great idea okay put that in and I'm deleting it nice hashtag okay <laughs> so obviously well obviously to me is I think they're gonna pick up at some point in Garion's journey since it's been from his point of view so far mm-hmm. and but I think that we're gonna see him a little bit like there's gonna be a gap where we didn't like see what what happened so we're gonna be a little bit ahead in the future at some point Mm-hmm. and see him a little bit more advanced like emotionally and physically maybe he's grown a little bit mm-hmm. from where we left him and an opportunity to see that growth maybe in an encounter or mm-hmm. like a small 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 battle of some okay kind. cool great well we'll see what we see next week Oh, but for now, that is our first episode of season two done. Yeah. I'm excited to get into the, the book. Yep. Aside from the prologue now. Yep. So next week, yep. chapter one of Queen of Sorcery. Join us and find out what's going on with Garion and everyone else. Um, thank you for being here. And if you have stayed with us all the way to the end of the episode, you can hit us up on social media or, you know, email or anywhere with the hashtag queen it up. <laughs> Courtesy of Alicia. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll find, like all... oh, sorry, sweetheart. I just, you said queen it up a few times when you were talking about your queenly ways. <laughs> I like <laughs> so it. I like, I like it a lot. That's a good one. Of course I like it. Um, 
So anyway, so yeah, so you can find all of the show notes at belgariatandbeyond.goddesskindle.com and all the clickable links and places to follow us and subscription, you know, subscribe to our mailing list and um, subscribe to the podcast, wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts, you'll find all of those links there and little bits about the show and how you can connect with us. Yeah. And also if you could leave a review or a rating on iTunes, it'd be a big help. Um, so we can be seen by more people. And as Sandra has mentioned before that she taught me, you can actually leave a review for each individual episode. So if you're feeling extra giving, then we'd greatly appreciate it. <laughs> oh, we would totally love that. It would be so great if we could get a community going. And just uh, as a special little announcement, uh, you can now join the Belgariad and Beyond Shenanigans private group on Facebook. I had, um, I was waiting until we clicked over to 100 likes, but you know what? Bugger that, it's my show and I can do what I like. So we, had, we now have a group in Facebook. Yeah, um, and hopefully we can get some conversations going. And that will be like, it'll be places like that where we put live videos and behind the scenes sneak peeks and that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's our little place where we can just geek it up and really, you know, get to know each other and get that community kind of vibe happening. I love those kind of spaces. Yeah, I agree. It's exciting to be, have a group going now that we can be hmm. uh, a little bit more intimate with people, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, we can tell secrets and, you know, really... I'm looking forward to it. So I hope to see you there. Um, but anyway, that's us for this week. We'll see you next week, my darlings. Yeah, see you guys. Bye. Clean it up. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I had to. You I had to. Like, That's it. That's it. That's cool.